I love listening to that. I'm sorry. That's just heaven's noise right there. Just kids having a great time learning about Jesus. That, that's awesome and stuff. I'm so glad um, you guys are here tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this new series that we're diving in for the next uh, five weeks or so. Um, this idea of these virtue, um, the idea of um, the things that we don't really talk about that much anymore in our culture. Um, we, we don't talk about honor. We, we don't talk about purity. We don't talk about integrity and thankfulness and, and loyalty and, and all, all those things. And, and, and these are virtues that, that I think we've kind of we've lost sight of what they are and everything. So, so I'm really excited as so we kind of dive in. I'm very, very excited because the context of what we're speaking on um, is coming out of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. Um, by Jesus. I mean, he goes up on this mountain, he starts speaking to literally thousands of people, and it was the most impactful, most amazing message ever given by any preacher. And so I, I'm, I'm going to try to give it some justice, but um, I, we're just going to kind of work our way through this entire sermon and everything. And so tonight, um, as you saw, we're, we're going to talk about honor, and we're kicking off this whole idea of honor. And, and I think with honor, when it comes to honor, we have kind of a different view of what it is. Um, I think a lot of us and a lot of people look at honor as something like I receive, like, like I, I get an honor or I'm, I've been honored and everything. In fact, um, that, that, that's, 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 its, um, that's its definition. As a noun, um, it means high respect, esteem, a privilege. And, and I think a lot of us see it as that way. We see kind of honor as, as something we do. But what I've been finding in my life and in my faith and as I read scripture, that it's a lot more about how we live things out than what we claim to be. I mean, there's, there's a difference between being alive and living. I know a lot of people that are just alive. I, I don't know a lot of people that are truly living. Um, there's a lot, there's a big difference between calling ourselves a Christian and being a disciple. And so I think this is one of those things that, yes, it is about it is about an esteem, and it's it's about a privilege. But but I I think when Jesus is preaching, Jesus is talking about how we should live our lives and everything. It the verb is to fulfill an obligation or keep an agreement. And, and so tonight I, I really want to dive in this idea of what does it actually mean for us to cre- keep the agreement, keep the covenant we made as followers of Christ. What does that look like lived out on a day to day? day-to-day basis you know what what does that mean for us and how should we act and how should we be and and all this stuff um because it's a big deal because i think there's so many people going around saying i'm a christian i'm a christian i'm a christian but there's no proof and and i I think jesus and and the god's word it calls us to live this out in such a way that see in fact wellens calcott wrote in his book thoughts of moral and divine he said the nearest way to honor is for a man so to live that he may be found to be that in truth he would he would be thought to be. Uh, the goal tonight is for us to actually take a deep, hard look and see if we are actually the people that we think we are. Or if we're the people that, man, we, we need to change some things. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. And we're going to be sitting there a lot and just kind of working our way through that as we look at this idea of honor as we dive into Sermon Mount. Pray with me. God, just thank you so much. God, for the opportunity to just to come together. God, to be here as your people. 
God, again, we just, we praise you and we thank you for what has already transpired, God, for the, for the baptisms, God, for, for the worship and, and, the, and the singing of praise and, and all that's happened. God, I thank you that before we even thought about coming today, God, you were here waiting for us and you knew exactly who would be here, God, and you knew what needed to be said. And so tonight I pray and I ask and I beg that you speak, that it would not be me. God, that it would be your words and not mine. God, that you would hide me, um, hide me behind the cross. So, God, tonight when we leave, um, no one says, wow, what a great sermon, what a great song, what, but what a great God you are. May you receive all the glory, God. May you just speak. Give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. Challenge us, encourage us, and move us to action for your glory and your kingdom. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, we are on this idea, and, and I want to talk about I think Jesus lays out this idea of a path to honor, a path to what actually looks like to be an honorable person, a, an idea of what it looks like to actually live out what our faith is and everything and how it should look all around us. And so if you have your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, we have them. If you don't own one, take one, keep it. We've got plenty. We'll get more. But um, grab your Bibles and go to Matthew 5, starting at verse 1. Um, you guys are probably very familiar. This is the Beatitudes, and it's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And I love that Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with this, that he talks directly about this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And he says, verse 1, he says, when, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And the <coughs> Excuse me. Then he began to teach them, saying, The poor in spirit are blessed. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. The gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For this is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I said, I, I love that Jesus started um, with this. We, we live in a culture and a society that it is all about appearance. I mean, it, it, re it really, really is. If you think about it, you know, I, I talk to a lot of young people who are like, man, I'm going to get, like, tattooed on my face. I'm like, good, enjoy never working at a real job. And they think, why? I'm a good person. Because the honest truth is it, it is it is an appearance thing. You know, if, if, if you walked in here tonight and there was, like, garbage everywhere and, and things were falling off the roof and stuff, you're probably like, yeah, we're not going to church here anymore and stuff. It, it is it's appearance. We we even we think it's about our appearance and everything. And and I think that it is important. We need to take care of it and we need to present ourselves in a good way. But in this passage, Jesus makes it very, very clear that it's what on the it's what's on the inside that really counts. See, because I, I think I think that you can be a beautiful person on the inside and be a gorgeous person on the outside. But I do not think that you can be an ugly person on the inside and be a gorgeous person on the outside. I really don't. I think it catches up to you eventually. And so, so it's about what's on the inside. And so Jesus starts this whole thing with the idea that let's start on the inside and work our way out. And so the very first thing he says in verse 3, he says, Poor in spirit, 
The poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And, and I want you to understand something real quick. This is not about how much is in your bank account. You know, if you go to Luke, he just says, blessed are the poor. And everything. And Luke has this. Luke is the social justice gospel, and it is about like poverty and stuff. And just a little side note, this little thing. God just laid this on my heart. I was thinking, I was praying through this the other day. Listen, if you're getting everything you want, be careful because it may not be God blessing, but it may be the devil distracting. See, because nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say that God gives us everything we want. It says He'll give us what we need. And he'll do for us what we need to, what needs to happen to us. But it doesn't mean that we get everything we want. But this isn't really, I don't think this is talking, and most theologians don't think this is talking about, like, monetary, like how much, you know, being poverty. I'm not saying go out and, like, like empty your bank accounts, give it all to church. If you want to do that, you know, I'm good with that. I'm okay. But it's not about that. See, I think what this is saying is that this is about a self-sufficiency thing. This is our understanding that I am, I am not sufficient. To fix any of my issues, to restore my relationship with God. The only one that is that is God. And so when I'm poor in spirit, I understand a, a, me next to God, I am, I am in utter and total poverty. Because th- there is nothing I have of worth for him. And there is nothing I can do to make myself more for him. It, it is all what he does. It is all what Christ has done. It is nothing that I do on my own. And so I, I am poor and I, I am poverty. So I'm not self-sufficient. And then it moves from that to verse 4. It says, you know, blessed are the people that mourn. Those who mourn are blessed for they will be comforted. When, when we understand our poverty and we understand our standing, then we get a glimpse of what we lost when we walked away from God. And the Bible says that all of us have. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person on this planet, from Adam and Eve on, has said, God, I'll do it my way. And, and we lost so much. And when you understand our poverty, and we, we, we understand how much we've lost, we have no other choice but to mourn. You know, think, think about that. Think, think about, I, I remember, I remember um, we lived in Germany. And, and I loved living in Germany. And uh, in the Germany, they have this wonderful road called the Autobahn. <laughs> and there's no speed limit on the Autobahn, except when we moved to Germany, we were in a little, like, Chevy Cavalier. <laughs> and, I mean, it was just like, I mean, like the bicyclists were passing us by. I said, this isn't going to work. And so we saved money. We looked at it, and we got, like, a brand-new, like, Honda Sports Civic thing. It went 120 miles an hour. It was black. It was beautiful. And I loved that thing, and God knew I loved that thing. And two days after we bought it, I hit black ice and wrecked the entire front of it. And I mourned my loss. <laughs> I mourned my loss. I know that's kind of a selfish thing, but I mean, it's, it's this sense that, man, we, God gave us something so beautiful on this planet and creation and that relationship that we lost, that when we understand what that poverty, when we understand that it's not me, that it's God, and this is what he always wanted for me, man, we mourn. But, but the good news is that, that we're, we're comforted. We're comforted. God comes in and says, no, it's okay. Now that you know See, the, the biggest issue for us sharing the gospel with people and the biggest issue in our culture right now of us trying to share the gospel is pride. Because generally we think that we don't, we don't need nobody else's help. And I ain't lost nothing. 
pull me up by my own bootstraps. You know, that's, you know, I'm American. You know, I come here and, you know, I live the dream, the American dream, and I can, I can have a mansion. I, I pull myself, I can take care of myself. And under, there's an understanding that there's so much that we have lost, and we need to take my time to mourn. And, and so when we do that, man, we, we start understanding our place. And, and it leads to this next thing. Verse 5. Verse 5, um, my version says the gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Probably your version says the meek. The meek blessed. And, and, and I, know, I know what you're thinking and stuff, and the whole idea, and we've all heard the meek will inherit the planet, the, you know, the planet and all this stuff. And meek, that just means I'm humble. I'm just dirt. You know? I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm a speed bump. I'm meek. You know, we have too many we have too many churches. That's their assumption of what meekness is. And so if you show up smiling, all excited, they're like, why are you doing that? You're supposed to be meek. You're not a Christian. I mean, I've been in those places. But that's not what this is saying. This meekness is is this idea that there are things that I don't know. And it's this picture actually in the Greek and the picture and the words that Jesus used. It was kind of this picture of actually like a student with a teacher saying, I don't know how to do this, and so I want to learn from you. It's a father and a child, a child sitting at a father's feet saying, show me how am I supposed to live. Show me because my ways don't work. And so I want to know, it's, it's this idea of father knows best. And I wasn't around when the show was on, but I watched it growing up and stuff. I'm aging myself a little bit, but Father Knows Best is a great show. This dad, he has three sons and all stuff, and, and at the end of the thing, there's this beautiful moral thing where everyone comes in, oh, Dad, you were right. If we just did it your way, we'd have a date for prom, and everything would be great. <laughs> you know. And, but Dad was always right. Well, can I tell you something? Our dad, if you know Jesus tonight, our dad is always right. And in meekness, we come to him saying, I don't know. Just, just, just teach me. Show me your way, because it, it's the best way. And guys, these these are inside things. These are things that that pride keeps us from. These are these are things that justification keeps us from. These these are the things that we let everything get in the way. That if we don't get this stuff, that we are poor, that we are impoverished next to God, and that we need to mourn, so that God can comfort, and that it's only us following Him and trusting Him. You, you will never honor your commitment to Jesus because it starts there. It starts in the heart. It starts on the inside. But and it's amazing when that happens, when we really, really do this, when, when we really just start really just knowing and understanding who God is and who we are and that love and that grace and, and how he wants. And when we see that, there's a change that starts happening. It, it's, it's, this, it's like a change in appetite. Have, have you ever noticed that like every few years, you know, your tastes change. Like, there are things you like. Yeah, I remember growing up, man, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, all that stuff. I was like, oh, no. And I love that stuff now. Now, squash is still the fruit of the devil. I mean, it's so sad. We have we have a vegetable garden, a vegetable farm. My daughter says it's not a farm because I don't have chickens. I'm going to eat food off it. It's a farm. So, and the only thing that's growing really well is the squash and zucchini. <laughs> It's like, it's like God's just saying, watch this. This is going to be funny. <laughs> Nothing else will grow. Squash, 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 squash. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can have them. <laughs> but our appetites start changing. The, the things we start desiring start changing. When the heart changes, then the other stuff starts changing with it. And, and, and the very first thing is, is we get hungry. Verse 6. Look, look at this. I love this stuff. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled I mean, can I ask you something? Are you hungry for Jesus? 
And, and when, when Jesus says this, the people that he's talking to knows exactly what he's saying because he's not just talking about like, man, I need a snack. He's talking about literally starving for food. <clears throat> and man, I, I'm so hungry that I will not survive the day if I don't have some Jesus. And so the question is, do you get hungry for God's word? Because it's his righteousness, not ours. Remember? Remember, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's, it's not us. It's God's righteousness in us. It's the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And as we grow in that and as we understand more, then we get hungry for more of it. See, because when you truly taste what you were supposed to always be, I can't understand how you would ever want to go back to anything else. When you truly taste and feel God's love and you start tasting his word and you hunger for it. I mean, that, that's a good thing. Are, are you hungry for God's word? Do you, do you wake up in the morning saying, I, I got to read God's word? I mean, do you know when the day's over? If you haven't spent time with God and talking and praying and reading his word, that man, that day would have gone a lot better if I would have started it with him. See, I know that. I, I was in here this week. This way, my wife, lovely, lovely lady that she is, she made all kinds of plans this week in Nashville. <laughs> she left me here. She said, Tony, we should do a date night for the church. And by the way, I won't be here. Have fun with those kids. <laughs> God bless her. But I did. I came over here. But I was sitting here, and I was like, man, i got to work on my sermon and stuff. I'm not sleeping because I don't sleep well when my wife's not there and everything. Scooby, my dog, he just, he just doesn't do anything except roll over on me and just kicks me and says, you're not... You're not my mom. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just been hard. But I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I'm so frazzled. And I got to figure out all this stuff. And we had a week off. That, that's another thing. You take a week off, and it takes three weeks to recover from the great week you had. And so everything's run through my head. And I'm just sitting here. And I just, it felt like God just kind of like tapped me on the shoulder. and said, excuse me. Are, are you going to spend any time with me today? And then I just stopped. And I said, oh, God. And I got this great book where I actually, right now, I'm praying through Scripture. I use Scripture as I pray. And, and when I pray, and I have to move the chairs because I just start walking everywhere and stuff. And it's just, it's crazy. And I just start praying and saying, God, you know, I need, to, I can't do this without you. I mean, uh, that's hungering and thirsting. That, that's, and not that like I'm perfect because I, I mess up all the time. But I'm just saying, are, are you hungry? Do you wake up in the morning saying, oh, do you, do you wake up in the morning saying, good, good Lord, it's morning or good morning, Lord? You know? I get another day to spend with you and learn something. And so I get hungry, and it's this sense of actually starving. You know, how long can you go without food? Me, longer than some of you. <laughs> drink, how long can you go without drink? It's the same in our spiritual life. Because th these, these words are the bread of life. This, this is the living water. And if you're not spending time in it, then, then how can you survive? Any of it. And, and so this beautiful thing happens. Verse 7. Once we get hungry and stuff, you go to verse 7. It says, the merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. See, what happens, the more righteousness that we take in, the more of God's word we take in, we start seeing things the way God sees them. And we start seeing people the way God sees them. And we start seeing the mercy given in our lives. And how can we not share that mercy with someone else? See, we are really good in the church today of sh pointing out what's wrong with everybody else. We are horrible at loving them like Jesus. Because I just, I want to remind you, our common ground here tonight is that every single one of us needs a Savior. 
Every single one of us. And so are, are we a people that are going to start actually loving people and showing mercy? Because we understand that the world needs to hunger and thirst. The world needs to understand what it's lost. The world, all the people around us need to understand and mourn and see their lives. And, and out of the context of God, no wonder our world is so confused. You, you take God out of the picture. Everything gets confused. And that's exactly what's happening in our culture today. And instead of us sitting here pointing fingers and stuff, you know, when Target, instead of writing Facebook things and saying, we're going to boycott Target because they're going to allow everything, as Christians, what would it be if we said, hey, you know what, we're willing to stand at Target, and just in case someone needs it, you know, we're just going to stand outside of bathrooms and just love people and just say, we're going to make sure things are safe for both the transgender and for our kids because God loves them both. What if we start showing mercy? And we remember that God loves those sinners. <laughs> You're going to learn the books of the Bible tonight, too. So this is awesome. It's, it's a full night. So it's good. But I mean, just this idea of mercy and loving the sinner, because the more, listen, the more we fall in love with God, the more we fall in love with the things he loves. And God loves nothing more than his creation. And so the greatest thing that you can do is share the gospel. The greatest thing you can do is love and serve people and show mercy. And, and so it does that. And, and then, again, it continues to move on. Verse 8, it says, the pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. See, again, we fall in love with the things that God loves, but we also start hating the things God hates. Listen, I, I got to tell you, stuff. the longer I live, the more weary of this world I get. I mean, do you ever walk into something and you just start watching television or something and it just totally offends you and stuff? And I tell you, in the past, I've been a person just like, well, you know, that's just culture. But the older I get and the more I know about God and the more my relationship grows him, the more and more I start hating that stuff, too. Not the people, but the stuff. And so, so I make a commitment saying, listen, the more I know God, I'm going to fill myself with the God stuff. I'm going to fill my, stuff, my heart with his word and not the garbage that's everywhere else. Because we so, listen, we live in a society that believes that everything is gray. And I'm going to tell you something. In scripture, it's not gray in any place. It, it, is, it is God's way or it is our way. That, that is always it. And so as we fill ourselves and we fill ourselves more and more of God and we guard our hearts. You know, that, that's what the proverb says. Guard your heart. That's what Jesus says, you know, it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles a man, it's what comes out because it's from his heart that evils come from. It's our heart, and so we fill our hearts with the things of God, and the things of faith, and the things of <coughs> Scripture. There won't be room for any of this other junk. Guys, you know the old saying, you know, you fill your heart, you fill your mind with teacher stuff, you become a teacher. You fill your stuff with doctor, your head with doctor stuff, you become a doctor. You fill your head with nothing, you become a politician. <laughs> and if you're not sure, just watch one of our debates. <laughs> but it is us filling ourselves and saying, listen, I just, I'm going to guard. And parents, listen, it's okay for you to look at your kids and say, no. But they're, no, I don't care. <laughs> listen, I have sat in 30 years, you tell them, mm-mm. I like that. Listen, 30 years of doing youth ministries, I don't know how many times I sat across a desk from a parent and kid 
And the kids, uh, and the parents, are like, oh, I love them, I love them, I love them. I let, they get everything they want. I let them do whatever they want. And me talking to that kid and saying, they don't love me because if they did, they tell me no sometimes. And so guard what's going into our precious children. Guard what's going into your heart and choose purity. The, the, next, thing, the next thing is this idea of being a peacemaker. And, and I love that Jesus throws this in. Verse 9, the peacemakers are blessed for they will be called sons of God. I, I, I love that Jesus throws that in there because it's this idea that you and I when you know Jesus tonight if you know Jesus then you have the ability to have peace the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead fills you and it fills you with peace which means that no matter the circumstances I can face them knowing that my God is in control and I can have peace the greatest need on this planet in our in this city right now is for people to have peace and we carry that with us wherever we go because we carry Jesus. My, my professors used to say, listen, Jesus was God with skin on. You are Jesus with skin on to all the people around you. And wherever you go, you carry him with you. The kingdom of God is at hand now. We carry it with us. And so we carry the peace with us. And so I just wonder, when you walk into a room, does everybody just say, ah. Oh. Because that's what it should be. Because I believe there's only two types of people on this planet. There are people that bring peace and unity and peace that bring division and turmoil. And if you don't know Jesus, you are more likely a person that's bringing division and turmoil. Because they don't know what they need or what they want. It's all about what I feel and it's all about what, what, what makes me feel good and what I think is right and everything. And there's no final judgment on that. With us, we know Jesus. We say, no, there is, there is a standard, and we know what that standard is. And with that, we know that God is in control. So no matter what this world brings, or no matter what this world does, man, my God's in control, so I don't care. What can this world do to me? Nothing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. We are more than conquerors. Romans, just read Romans 8.28 tonight. Over and over again, and let the peace of God fill you and then take that peace wherever you go because we should be walking into our offices and into our schools and into our neighborhoods where there's so much turmoil especially now look at the friction and the turmoil over some of the stupidest stuff we should be the voice of peace and we carry that and people that follow jesus people that are honorable and honoring bring peace wherever they go it's it's this beauty beauty beautiful thing of passing on the peace and and so we we can do all these things man we can be people that that are that are meek that are that are poor in spirit that that mourn that 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 are hungry that 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 are thirsty that are merciful and are peacemakers and are pure in heart and we can do all this stuff and, and you can live that life out but I, I want you i want to warn you tonight that if you choose to live this way if you say man i'm this is this is going to be the mantra of my life every day i'm going to pray and i'm going to say god i'm just going to go through these nine things i'm going to say god this is how i want to live today listen you're going to you're going to get noticed because here's the thing honorable people get noticed Honorable people get noticed because they're rare. <laughs> but it may not be the way that you're expecting. 
Look at look at verse 10 through 12. Jesus says, goes on, he says, Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecute the prophets that were before you. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You follow Jesus and the day is coming. We don't know persecution in this country. We know hurt feelings. We know disagreement. We know the uncomfortableness. We don't know persecution. If you want to know persecution, there's a map over on our mission board. And you look at the countries of people tonight that are fear for their lives or fear for imprisonment or their families. And they're standing up for Jesus. Or the guy that's saying, I still choose Jesus right before they cut off his head. We, we don't know persecution. But we will. We, 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 we will. Our voice is being silenced more and more and more. And Jesus even said, listen, if the world hated me, it's, it's going to hate you. So listen, if you're ever at a church, you're ever at a conference, you're at a camp somewhere, and some preacher gets up here and stands on a podium and says, listen, you just follow Jesus and everything's just going to be rosy. You're going to get everything you wanted. Everything's going to be perfect and wonderful. You just have to have faith, and it will be a beautiful life. You grab the biggest Bible you can and throw it at him and yell, liar. Because my Jesus never said that. See, see, we're gonna, we're gonna face, we're gonna face. But you know, we're not the only ones that have all the prophets that God sent before. Man, they were all persecuted. We have an entire record of people being persecuted. And then look at Jesus Himself, the most perfect, the, the perfect human being, the one that lived a perfect life, and He was tortured, and He was brutalized, and He was humiliated, and He was put on a cross. And so know that that that's coming, but that means that we're doing this right. Know that if people get uncomfortable when you're around, I love being around non-believers. I love it. I used to, uh, this was my favorite thing of go showing up to high schools is when I would sneak up and they were just like talking all kinds of smack. And I'm just like, hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, pastor's here. <laughs> it's like they would choke. I'd have to do the Heimlich. Because they felt uncomfortable. Like, we can't talk about it like that, like that with you. And I'm like, yeah, you can going to do it anyway i mean is there an uncomfortableness because we carry light see we live in a dark world when i was in college i was a partier man i went to bars i did all that stuff i did all that stupid stuff i, I spent all my time doing idiotic things but there's something i noticed when i got out of that if you go into a bar there you ever notice there are no windows because we like the darkness and if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I talked about God. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And so when we walk into an office or a community or anywhere, we bring light. And that brings immediate attention. If we're living this honorably, I just want you to know that people are going to notice. And it may not be the way you want. But it will be the way that brings Jesus the most glory and the most honor. You see, you see we are so concerned about pleasing everyone else. And, and I, I'm terrible at this. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pathetic people pleaser. I'm a pee cube. I hate it when people are like, oh, I didn't like that. And I just like, they don't like me. I just, I just, you ask my wife. She's like, just shut up. Be a man. You know? <laughs> but you don't like me either. No, I, don't like <laughs> I mean, 
I've come to a point in my life, and I'm not, and I know not everybody's there and everything, and I understand that. My prayers, I'm a, I want to help you get there, but I've come to the point in my life that the only accolade, the only honor I want is for the Father to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because that, that, is, that is the most honor that I ever need. That, that, that is better than any crown. I don't need a crown because if I get it, I'm going to throw it back at Jesus' feet anyway because he's the one that deserves it. That, that, that's, and, and, and we are in such great company. Listen, this is not easy. You are standing on a one-way road facing the wrong way in our culture. And they are flying by us. And we are standing there in our hope and our prayers that God just allows someone to stop along the way so that we can share what's been shared with us. But that that's honor. I mean, I love, Paul figured this out. Paul, the, the writer of most of the New Testament, figured out. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter 3. Paul, Paul understands, and you want to talk about a religious person, Paul was the most religious person today. I mean, he was, the, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was awesome. He knew the stuff. He, he persecuted the church, and then he met Jesus on the road, and it changed everything for him. And, and that's always a good test. And when I met Jesus, did it change everything? Even if I grew up in the church, did it change everything for me when I met Jesus? And I love that Paul says he looks at his whole life and all of his accomplishments, and he's in a jail. He's in prison in Philippians. In fact, this is the last letter he really writes before he dies. And, and at the end of all this, he says at verse 7, but, in, but everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. All, all the accolades, all, all the wealth, all, all, the, all the important stuff, you know, all, all the homes, all the houses, all, all, the, all the titles, all, all the things that I have, all that stuff, I consider loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything in my life is, is, is a loss compared to knowing Jesus. I, I stood here Saturday morning, I, I was walking through this neighborhood, and I came in here, I was praying and, and thinking through the sermon and stuff, and I just got overwhelmed with the thought that, Jesus, if all you ever did was just die for me, and the moment I met you, that was it, that was, you, you didn't do anything else, that was more than I ever deserved. But God, you have blessed me with a wife and with, with children and with family and with, with purpose and with opportunities and with experiences that are beyond anything that I could ever deserve. And all that stuff means absolutely nothing. See, I love Jesus more than I love my wife. And I love Jesus more than I love my kids. And I love Jesus more than I love this church. But because I do, I can love my wife the way she deserves. I can love my kids the way... They deserve, and I can love you and this church the way it deserves to be loved because I love Jesus more. And that's what Paul, he's like, everything is lost. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things. I consider them filth so that I may gain Christ. Listen, everything else is refuse compared to Christ. Everything else in my life is meaningless, is just dung that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. It's not our righteousness. If, if you don't know Jesus tonight, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Peace and power and all this stuff. But if you know him, then you know that, man, it was nothing that you did or I did. It was all what Jesus did. That's why we call it grace. Amazing grace. Grace. 
you know, a month ago or so, we, we, we did a dangerous prayer. You want to pray a dangerous prayer? Here it is. Pray this. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, verse 11, and assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Listen, I want to know God's power. We like that part. But I also want to, I want to know that. I want to know that, that fellowship of his suffering, too, because I, I want to know everything that Jesus, I want to go through everything Jesus did, too. I want to become exactly like him. That, that, that's the goal. And, and you, can't, you can't know the power if you don't also know the suffering. You, you, you can't. And, and so tonight we, we start this, this idea of these virtues and this virtue of honor and this path to honor. And, and we, we count everything else. And we look at all and we weigh it all and we say, what is it worth? You know, if I'm going to be an honorable person, if I'm going to be a person that honors God in all I say, if I'm going to receive that honor from him one day and only from him, then this is how it's got to be. Man, I've got to understand my poverty, how poor I am compared to God. I've got to understand what I've lost and mourn it and let God come in and comfort me. Man, I've got to understand that I don't know anything and that God knows it all and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to listen to him and I'm going to follow him and I'm going to let him teach me in meekness. And it's going to make me hungry. And it's going to make me thirsty for his righteousness. Every single day I want more and I want more of it. I want more of it. And because that, man, I'm going to be able to show mercy because I'm going to see things the way God sees it. And I'm going to, I'm going to guard purity in my life and in my family and in my heart and in my church and in my community. I'm going to guard it. I'm going to fight for it because we know that's the best way. God's plan is always the best plan. And I'm going to be a peacemaker. Everywhere I go, I'm going to carry peace with me because I carry Jesus with me. And yeah, people aren't going to like it and people are going to disagree. And that's okay. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but no one will separate me from the love of Christ. And I'm going to live that. And that's how we live with honor. It's a verb, not a noun. I love this. Thomas Kempis says this. And this, this is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for you. Let this be thy whole endeavor. This thy prayer. This thy desire. That thou mayest be stripped of all selfishness. And with entire simplicity. Follow Jesus only. What a beautiful picture. You, you want to be honorable? You want to live a life of honor? It starts in the inside and then it just starts flowing out. That's that's what being honorable is. Where, where are you tonight? Man, we, we got we had a great, great start. Man, we got to baptize six people, which is amazing. Um, we, we got all kinds of stuff going in our lives. I, I know that there's there's craziness all the time. But what which one of these man, maybe you're struggling with tonight? You know, is, is it the peacemaker? You know, are, are, are you more trouble than peaceful? <laughs> is it purity? Is it mercy? Is it, man, I'm just, I haven't been hungry or thirsty. Have, have, have you forgotten how poor we are and how much we need God and how much we need to learn from him? You know, every day I just, I just, I, I sit here and I think about, God, there's no way I can lead your church unless you lead me. And they need to see you out in front, not me. So God, just teach me and show me.
You know, what, what, what is it tonight? What, what, whatever it is, I, I just want to challenge you that we're going to take a time to respond. And I love that, I mean, if, if we were marrying somebody, we'd have the trifecta. But we're going to do all the kind of things of the church tonight <laughs> and stuff. We, we had baptism, but I think this is a great time, and we haven't done this as a church in a while, is that I want us to take communion together. And, and tonight, I just, I just want to tell you something. If, if, <coughs> if you don't know Jesus, don't do this. You're not going to make any of us happy or sad whether you do it or not. But, but Paul makes it very, very clear that you don't take this flippantly, that this is us committing. This is us saying, you know what? I, I remember once again what Christ did to me and for me. And, and I want to honor that in my life. And, and I want to honor that. And so tonight, if you don't know Jesus, it's, it's really simple. It's really simple. It's just it's admitting. It's saying, God, I'm a sinner. I, I know I've done things my way and not your way. And, and it is believing. It is believing that, God, I know that you sent your son, that, Jesus, you died for my sins. And that all I have to do is ask you, and you will forgive my sins. Would you do that? Would you forgive my sins, and would you come into my life? <clears throat> and then it's just committing. And, God, I, I just want to follow you to the best of my ability for the rest of my life. That, I mean, that's it, ABC. And you can do that right now, and then you can take communion. But if you haven't done that, don't do this. And if you're not in that place, that's okay. Man, we, we want to just walk alongside you and help you get to that place. But if you are in that place, man, think about it. Say, God, I, I want to live honorable. And, and this is my response to you by taking this to remembering the, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed for me, this, this covenant that you made with me. And I want to honor that covenant. And so that, that's what we're going to do tonight. And so, so I, I'm, I'm excited for this, and I'm excited for us to share this moment. As we, we kind of dive into this, I don't think any better way than to finish what God has already been doing in our midst this whole day. And so I, I'm going to pray, and, and I'm going to ask David. David's going to help us, and we're, we're going to pass out the elements. And the, just to let you know, they're little communion cups. There's the wafer on top. You have to pull the top, and then the, the juice is underneath it. And, and we'll, we'll walk you through it and everything. But we just want to take this time as, as a church, as a family, and as a body to remember. To remember what Christ has done. And as a church, recommit and say, God, I want to be honorable in your sight. Pray with me.